The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. After the news today, my special guest is Eric Strong, who after almost 30 years in law enforcement is running to be uh, the LA County Sheriff. So stay tuned for my interview with uh, Eric. Here are some uh, news headlines. Vaccine advisors to the US Food and Drug Administration declined Friday to recommend the agency approve COVID-19 booster doses for everyone who got vaccinated six months ago or longer. They did recommend a more limited step, emergency use authorization for people 65 and older and for people at high risk of severe infection. Then they went back and added in healthcare workers and other people at high risk of getting infected at work, even if they're not at specially high risk severe disease. Los Angeles County, the country's most populous county, will require customers and employees in indoor bars, wineries, breweries, nightclubs, and lounges to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination starting October 7th, according to a new health order issued Friday. Los Angeles County's new order is required for indoor parts of restaurant, but is strongly recommended. Children under 12 are exempt. Customers and employees will need to have at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine by October 7 and be fully vaccinated by November 4th. The new order also requires vaccine verification or negative test within 72 hours for those attending mega events with 10,000 or more attendees in venues or events that are ticketed with control points of entry. Immediately after Gavin Newsom beat back the California recall effort, Democratic officials in California called for reforms to the process that commended weeks of attention and cost of $276 million only to result in a landslide victory for a governor who was up for re-election in 14 months anyway. Los Angeles County took a step toward a complete ban on oil and gas production within its borders after the Board of Supervisors unanimously approved on Wednesday a motion to phase it out on unincorporated land. It's the largest urban area in the country to declare such a ban, which will impact over a thousand active wells. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. For today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to talk about the dysfunction in some of the agencies in California. Now, I've voted for uh, Governor Newsom, and I voted for him again (laughs) for this recall, and I'm, I'm glad that I did. However, that's not going to stop me from talking about some of the areas that I think he's neglected that are very dysfunctional, and it's hurting everyone in California. The first one is, of course, EDD, the unemployment agency, which has been just a ginormous mess 
uh, ever since last March, and it's uh, it's never been fixed, and people have been uh, really suffering through it, uh, being told constantly that uh, they're working on it, they're getting a new system, etc. But it's just been a ginormous mess, and now unemployment for millions of people has ended a lot of the federal aids, but there are people who never received it because of all the glitches and all the bureaucracy and such. And I don't think that Governor Newsom really put a lot of effort into that. And then there is the rent relief that the federal government helped and allocated to all the states, and California got a big chunk of it. Now, City of LA, the Los Angeles Housing and Community Investment Department, uh, decided that they're going to have their own program and take it away from the state, which was a choice that they could make. And so for over a year, that they did such a terrible job that they had only dispensed uh, about 5% of the money that was allocated to them until several council members uh, complained. And so they turned around and said, okay, we can't do this. Let the state handle it. So starting September 1st, this responsibility of helping uh, renters who were late on their rent, that whole process was turned over to the state. Now, a new report uh, says that California may lose as much as $337 million in federal pandemic rental aid. And this is according to the state auditor's office. According to this new report, uh, which was released this past Thursday, California has been so slow in releasing federal pandemic rental aid that we may lose $337 million if more money isn't obligated to rentals at the end of the month. Now think about this. This is sort of a problem in two ways. One, of course, there are people who are you know they are at risk of being evicted and a lot of a lot of these apartments if uh, people are evicted of course the landlords will uh, increase the rent and uh, there goes our housing problem which will become worse than it is now but secondly the 337 million uh, is money for california that's money that would be spent in California for our economy. And if we lose that, that money goes out of California, back into the federal government. So what a missed opportunity, and how dysfunctional is this? I mean, we are, you know, we are in the second year of this pandemic, and yet uh, these two agencies, uh, well, one of them being EDD, and the second one, first the Los Angeles Housing and Community Investment Department, and now the state can't get it together to help people. And of course, Governor Newsom is, you know, constantly talks about uh, fighting for the working class and the middle class. Well, <laughs> these are, you know, these are things that affect the working class and the middle class. And, you know, we're not out of the woods. A lot of people are still unemployed. A lot of people are suffering or they're underemployed. Um, so I don't understand why this is not on Governor Newsom's and the lawmakers' front burner.
So we have to be blunt. I'm going to be blunt and direct about uh, even people I vote for, even people that I uh, support and think that are, for the most part, doing a good job. But uh, that doesn't mean that we can't call out when something is dysfunctional. And uh, these two areas, uh, among other ones, are definitely dysfunctional. So there you have it. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Eric Strong is a Los Angeles native. After attending USC, he served in the Marine Corps and began his career in public safety in 1993, following in his father's footsteps to become a patrol officer for the Compton Police Department. Eric is a founding board member of Police Against Racism, which strives to dismantle systemic racism in policing. He's also a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He has personally been targeted by police, has family members that have been incarcerated and killed by police, and he has also been a victim of crime. Over his 30 year in law enforcement, Eric Strong has led units across virtually every function of the LA County Sheriff's Department from patrol to courts, custody investigations, internal affairs, risk management, and auditing. Eric is a candidate for the LA County Sheriff elections in 2022. Good morning, Eric. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Good morning, Vic. I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, it's always good to talk to um, great new energy in our city, in Los Angeles, and greater Southern California um, leaders who are trying to uh, create change and have an impact. I want to ask you a general question before we get into some specifics. Is okay. As we are um, right now in this sort of second phase of COVID, uh, as well as, you know, a lot has happened in terms of uh, law enforcement. There's been a lot of, you know, especially last year, there were a lot of uh, police brutality and our country. I feel like we're kind of in this transitional phase and things are a little bit, they're not so black and white, not that they ever were so black and white, but I feel like there's so much happening that our focus sort of constantly shifts. But because we're going to talk about your candidacy uh, for the L.A. sheriff, how do you what's your perspective on where we are and especially pertaining to where we are with law enforcement in uh, Los Angeles? You know, Vic, I think that where we are right now is in a place where people are ready for some real change. Uh, I'm going to use the word drastic, and I don't know if that's the best word. Uh, I don't think people want to see the needle, you know, bump a little bit and then have anybody proclaim progress. Right. I think we want to see something that's relevant and real, and I think it's got to be more than just data-driven um, statistics. Uh, we need to ch- see some definitive change in policing and public service and the way that people are treated. Uh, and so I think the world is ready. I think we've been calling for it for quite a while right now, but I think with the Derek Chauvin, Jer- uh, George Floyd incident, right. I-, I think people are no longer going to be pacified by 
some basic statements and proclaiming reform and rebuilding without some real action. Right. And, and I know that's what I'm ready for being an LA County resident. Yeah. Yeah. People don't want to hear rhetoric and um, sound bites anymore. Uh, well, you certainly have the, the background and the experience. You've been in law enforcement since 93. It's almost 30 years. Yes. Um, and um, I personally, I'm, I'm, I'm not for, <laughs> I, I hate to use this, this term. Uh, I'm not anti-law enforcement um, or even necessarily uh, about um, sort of defunding police, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps certain things, uh, you know, need to be looked at. But uh, in general, uh, I'm a little bit more pragmatic than that. And I feel like sometimes we ask our elected officials to <laughs> to like literally make perfect both sides, and it's impossible. Right. Um, you know, we, you know, when police brutality happens uh, and we're angry and the community is angry and for good reason. Um, So we come out and, you know, there's a lot of uh, anti-law enforcement sentiment and let's defund and all of that. But at the same time, we want our neighborhoods safe and we want criminals caught and all of that. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, which makes obviously your job uh, so much more difficult. An example of it is is I've, I've sat through like city of West Hollywood uh, council meetings and and you'll have like one group of people come and say you know people are driving really fast on the street we need to put more bumps and and stop signs and even traffic lights and then you have the other camp that comes and says it takes me you know 45 minutes to get from Robertson to uh, <laughs> you know to um, La Brea yes. <laughs> you know do something about traffic in West Hollywood so what are council members supposed to do which we're, we can't do both and I understand that about law enforcement how would you how do you address that sort of that being caught in the middle thing that is a question that I have been trying to figure out for almost 30 years <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you you know you want and you know, and the best thing I can tell you, Vic, is is I I want what I what I would want is how I would want to be treated, and I think what a lot of people really want is to know that they're being heard, and know that their voices matter, but at the same time, they're very reasonable, and this is in my experience, they're very reasonable to what makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you know what we need to do? We need to explain it to them. We need to have a conversation. We need to have some dialogue. So, for example, citizens, community members, they don't want police jumping out of the car and putting their sons on the hood of the car and searching them and putting them in the backseat of the car. But as you said, they want to feel safe. Right. How do we do that? One is we have to better train law enforcement on how to recognize real criminal behavior in other words i go and i teach i teach all over you know the the country and i was teaching in uh louisiana and i I put pictures on the wall and i guess uh, on a powerpoint and my question is can your average police officer tell the difference between a and i'm going to use this example between a blood gang member wearing red and throwing up a hand sign versus let's say a college kid that's in a fraternity called Kappa Alpha Phi, I mean Kappa Alpha Kappa, and they have 
red is their color right. and their in their hand signal you know looks very much the same right can you t- can you differentiate can you tell the difference you know the the kappas have been around for over 100 years you know whereas you know gangs and bloods have not been around that long and so which one who who mimicked who right i, I think it i think it really just comes down to be able to have that conversation and what I, what we really need to do is we need to have a true representation of law enforcement in the communities that they work in. Unfortunately, right now, nationwide, nationwide, and I think it just went down not too long ago, but law enforcement is almost 70% male white. Right. What does that mean? Nationwide, 30% of law enforcement, that doesn't mean that they're black or Hispanic or Asian or Armenian uh, or Persian or, you know, or Pacific Islander. It means that everybody else makes up that other 30%. Right. However, when we go into the communities and let's just talk about the black community, although in LA County, they're, they're less than probably what, maybe 9% of LA County, they make up in the forties of the amount of contacts and the amount of rest and the amount of citations and the amount of uses of force. So I I know this is a, a, probably a short answer long, but I think that people will feel more comfortable if they see people that look like them, that represent them, that can understand them and that can relate to them in their communities, providing these services. I think they'll feel more comfortable. I think trust will become organic. I think communication will be better. And then we'll be able to kind of kind of mitigate that balance about having, you know, ha- having, like you said, the speed bumps, but we want traffic to flow faster. Right. You yeah. Know, it, it, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm just saying it's going to yeah. it's going to come from, you know, um, having a little bit on both sides. Absolutely. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Eric Strong, who is a candidate for the LA County Sheriff's Department for the 2022 elections. You know what's interesting is I remember right after Rodney King beating, you know, this came up, uh, not about sheriff, but the LAPD, of how representation of people of color was so low. And it's been, it's been well, exactly 30 years. I think I. I believe Rodney mm-hmm. King happened in 91. It's yes. 30 years and we're still talking about it. Yes. You know, we're talking about it. And, and especially in Southern California. I mean, it's one thing if, you know, it's an issue in some, I don't know, uh, you know, Idaho or Wyoming or such, but uh, we are in LA and, uh, you know, one of the biggest back, melting pots. Yeah. And it goes back to what you said. You said people don't want to see, you know, a little change. They want to see something drastic. And that's um, that's absolutely true. And I I don't know how you feel about um, the recent recall of Governor Newsom. But I think what what got a lot of people to um, not a lot of people, but at least the other side to want to recall him was that he did come into office and make drastic changes that people wanted. Um, and I and I applaud him for that, and I respect respect him for that. And sometimes, not sometimes, usually, actually, when someone comes in and doesn't play politics and politics of respectability, 
and is not a diplomat, but rather someone who gets it done, and there's always going to be a counter, um, you know, a counter movement or counter attack uh, mm-hmm. per se. So I like I like seeing people like you who want to go in and like really do some cleanup. And yeah, well, mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say I, w- I want to agree with you so much because you know you mentioned it. You know, thirty years have passed, and what's really changed? We're still facing some of the very same problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still facing some of the very same community concerns, and and what that tells me is that we keep to trying to do the same thing and expecting different results. Right. So right. we need to do something different. Yeah. Uh, or as they say in 12 steps, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Uh, just a side story. You know, I've been, uh, I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. I have over, over 13 years of sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky um, that twice I've had, I've been stopped by law enforcement. And they were nothing but very respectful. Um, mm-hmm. I certainly didn't deserve it. You know, let's just leave it at that. So, but, but I, you know, but that's just my experience. Um, that I've had really yeah. great experience with law enforcement. So, um, you know, that's just my experience. Uh, you know, everyone has their own. But going back to you, so there was, I was reading about you, and one of the things that I read was that, um, that you wanted to acknowledge and look into deputy gangs within the department. I'm just going to leave that to you to explain um, sort of what you mean by that. Well, you know, there's been this issue of these deputy gangs and cliques uh, that probably go back to the late 70s, 80s, you know, with with the Vikings in Linwood. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been an ongoing topic. I mean, of course, it it raises its ugly head, you know, uh, at times, and then it's it's uh, kind of swept underneath the rug at other times. But right now, it's something that's um, very prevalent. It's very big. And it's, and it's a topic of conversation. Uh, going back that amount of time, and again, it goes back to what I say, we're still here. We're still talking about this. You know, it, it, was, it was brought up during the Baca Tanaka regime. Right. You know, about what are you going to do with it? You know, it was brought up during the, the Jim McDonald regime. What are you going to do with it? And now here we are. We're still talking about it in 2021. And now we have a current sheriff that basically says they don't exist. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if we just want to look at it from the outside, well, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. It's not going to keep coming up if there's not something there. And no matter what name we want to put to it, if we want to put gangs, if we want to put clicks, um, whatever we want to call it, it's something that's having a negative connotation on law enforcement and on this department on the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. You know, I attended the FBI National Academy uh, in 2016 at 231 other students um, f- representing 48 states and international students as well. And, you know, I posed this question, you know, are you guys seeing this in your agencies? And if you are, how are you dealing with it? And inevitably, everyone told me that is something unique to LA County Sheriff's Department. Really? Yes. Interesting. And I have lots of friends in law enforcement that I've talked to and, you know, they all just shake their head. 
you know, and, and they say, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we don't even experience. And especially at smaller agencies, you know, you don't experience that kind of thing. So what that, what that does, Vic, is it, it doesn't give me a will, you know what I mean? You know how they say, don't recreate the will, right? You know, go to something that works and it's been effective. Well, there's nothing that works and has been effective out there because other people don't experience this. And so right. it, it's unique to the sheriff's department culture. And what's, I think what's important to know about me is that although I've been with the sheriff's department 21 years, um, I didn't start off my law enforcement career in the sheriff's department. You know, I worked two other agencies prior to that. So it, it's kind of like having an upbringing, you know, it, it's kind of like growing up in one, in one city or area or neighborhood and then relocating. Right. That place you came from is always kind of home, you know? So, so I was never indoctrinated into this sheriff's department. I've never been invited to be in a clique or in, or in a gang or never uh, been invited. And I've never wanted to be, I've never, you know, sought it out or anything. Right. Um, so I, I'm going to say this, I, they do exist and they're a problem and we need to take some definitive steps to address it. I, I think enough studies have been done enough investigative journalism has been done we have enough cases within our own internal ranks in, ter in terms of internal affairs and so forth um, we have enough oversight that has looked at this and, and and has identified as a problem i think it's time that somebody comes in and says hey yes it exists yes it's a problem and we're going to do something about it uh, up until now nobody's done that as a matter of fact everybody has pretty much said oh it's it's no big deal um, or they'll say, we'll deal with it. We'll address it. Uh, but again, it keeps rearing its ugly head. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I think it's something that, um, you know, it, there, there's some deep cultural issues there. And when mm -hmm. I say cultural, I mean, a lot of the people who have come up through the ranks are these same people that were part of these cliques, uh, in the beginning, right. either started them. And some of those are, most of those are kind of retiring out now but they were either probably some of the founding members or even now some of the members who've been there, you know, you wait 10 years and now they're up in the command positions and they're making right. decisions. So, um, so yeah, we, we need to change happening. some things. Yeah, exactly. It keeps happening. Uh, you know, the sheriff's department exists in a silo. Uh, they are very unwilling to go outside, um, and, and ask for help or ask for assistance. I mean, it's the largest sheriff's department in the, in the country. So, you know, they're oftentimes looked upon from smaller agencies as the model for a lot of things. And so I think with that, you can develop a sense of, um, uh, a sense of maybe arrogance. And I think that's what we've seen sometimes, you know, we're the sheriff's department, you know, uh, what are you gonna tell us? Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it's gonna be imperative to, to bring in some outside views uh, to address this problem. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Eric Strong, who is a candidate for the LA County Sheriff's Department for the 2022 elections. I'm glad you said that because later I was going to ask you about, uh, and I read your some of the comments you'd made and your, how you're feeling about uh, uh, District Attorney George Gascon. Uh, but it sort of reminds me of some of the changes that because I interviewed him before he was elected about what he wanted to do. And I've interviewed him recently as well 
uh, some of the drastic changes that he's made and such. Is there a place where the two of you sort of um, meet, like that you start to like parallel? Because it, it to me it seems like you two have a lot in common because you're trying to sort of get in there and make some drastic changes, which will you know ruffle some feathers and for him and there it already has. How do how do you, is is there any kind of a for lack of a better word collaboration there? Well, well, of course. I mean, um, law enforcement uh, needs to be able to work with the district attorney's office. You know, the the district attorney's office is part of the um, you know kind of the law enforcement community. Right. It it really is. Um, so you know, no matter who is in there, uh, we have to be able to sit down at the table and and work together uh i i can say this that one thing you'll hear from me often is about balance um short of things being absolutely illegal you know wrong is wrong and right is right i mean i don't care if you're in in china or russia or europe or united states um or, or mexico or any other country stealing is stealing right you know uh, I don't care what state we, we put the penal code to, but the bottom line is stealing is stealing no matter what. So there are certain things that, that are pretty black and white. I think with me, a lot of things that you'll hear me continue to say is balance, balance, balance. And what I mean by that is that I don't know that we should put a blanket over anything right. and say that this is going to solve the problem. You know, I, I think that we need to look at things um, – for example, let's look at enhancements, you know, when we're looking at um, uh, prosec- prosecutional enhancements. I think maybe we go from a position of starting off without enhancements, but then there's the ability to argue for them. Right. But to just flat out say no enhancements, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's like putting it even so that what that means is that even if it's deserving and even if it's if it's if it's needed and you know then there's no room for it so i do think there's a place that we sit down and we talk um you know i've worked internal affairs and and i've seen a lot of the misconduct that comes on and and my thing is this any law enforcement officer or deputy or, or any police officer at all that feels like gascon is going after um law enforcement my question to you is what did you do? You know what I mean? In other words, right. do you do you not want them to go after law enforcement because it's law enforcement? Or do you not want them to go after law enforcement because you don't want to be one of the ones that gets prosecuted? Right. So if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it, then I don't have to worry about how many law enforcement officers Gascon is, 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 is going to say he's going to prosecute. Because I'm, I'm going to say it's not me. You know, I'm going to I'm going to stay out of trouble. I think where we 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 get into a and there's a lot of Vic, there's a lot of cases out there that are just above above board. They're above the water. They're they're no brainers. Right. They're no brainers. Um, You know, cases with DNA evidence on law enforcement that have sexually assaulted, you know, uh, people in custody. Mm -hmm. That's a no brainer. But these are some of the cases that weren't prosecuted before, Mm -hmm. you know, so. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't necessarily like his stance on things, but I think 
you know, there's absolutely room for us to have a discussion. And, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to speak it into the air once in office. You know, he'll be one of the one of the first people that I, I sit down and have a conversation with and say, yeah. you know, how do we work together? And, and working together doesn't mean absolute concurrence with every idea. And how refreshing, because whether talking to him or to you, both of you are just really straight up. Um, sort of blunt and and transparent, and I don't hear all this sort of PR, <laughs> like PR taught, uh, sound bites. You know, it's just like real direct talk, and I think that's what people connect with. You know, and I hope that people understand because I hear this all the time, and I and because I've, you know, I'm no, I'm not an expert, obviously, in 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 this field, and I've haven't been in it. Um, but I've sat through, you know, many meetings and symposiums and, and council meetings and such. And people forget that you cannot make everyone happy all of the time. <laughs> no Never elected will. official, no one is ever going to have, because it doesn't exist, an answer that's going to take care of all the problems equally perf- in perfection. And that we allow um, our elected officials to do um, the best that they can, where it helps the, the largest number of people. Um, and I think the hope here is that people like you are coming in um, who are not afraid and are just sort of, you're just going to go for it. Um, and you make no bones about it. Uh, so the next, the next question I have for you is, so you are, you know, you've joined six other people who are running um, for sheriff. Uh, for the election, which is next year. Um, I I won't really discuss them, but uh, I want to know from you, what are the fundamental differences between uh, Sheriff uh, Villanueva and you? Oh, wow. Uh, That is a a very um, deep question. I've known Sheriff Villanueva. Probably, I think since 2004, 2005, I've known Alex. Uh, he was actually my sergeant um, when I was a deputy for a period of time. And the fundamental differences that we have is just character. Um, everybody is has talked about, or, you know, I won't say everybody, but most of the people that I've talked to have said, hey, he turned his back, he lied to us, you know, he bamboozled us, he told us one thing and he did another. Um, I don't, I don't think many people that know him are surprised. I think the voters are surprised because they believed what he said. Uh, but I'm not surprised in what we're seeing at all. This is who he is. Um, fundamentally, I'm not a vindictive person. Uh, fundamentally, I don't think that I'm the smartest person in the room in every room that I walk into. Fundamentally, I, I know how to uh, get along with others, even if I don't agree with others. Um, I think fundamentally it just comes down to character and and doing the right thing for the right reasons. Uh, You know, so uh, I have more experience than him. You know, I've done more than him, even though I I, I spent less time on this department than he did. You know, I actually tested and promoted beyond, you know, past him. Um, So fundamentally, it's going to come down to our character. It really is. Uh, It's going to come down to... uh, who's truthful and who's not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, I can go into details if you like, but um, I, I have documents where he just flat out lied on me back in the day. 
So, you know, him him telling, you know, untruths to the media and to the people doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, I, I think what you're going to get from me, as you said, Vic, is somebody who's just going to um, I'm not going to speak my mind to the point where, it, you know, um, I say things that are crass, but I am going to uh, speak the truth. Right. Uh, I am going to speak what I believe in and, and what I can do is I can hear other people's ideas and opinions and and I'm listening. I know what I would like to see on my street. Right. Whether it be more police, less police, a stop sign, a speed bump, I know what I'd like to see. Every neighborhood, every community out there has a better idea on what they need than I do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's important to listen. Yeah. And and that's that's what you're going to get from me. You're going to get from me somebody that's going to be willing to listen. I have a 24 point plan that I'm working on. And it's not I mean, it's at 24 because that's where I am right now. Mm -hmm. But I, I am so proud to say and I will I will say this publicly, not my ideas and I will give full credit. But there's there's three plans on there that absolutely came from community members. Okay. Because of because of their experiences and and you know, they came up with this idea and they said, hey, you know what? This would be really good if law enforcement did this. And I said, hey, wow, let's kind of peel the, the layers back on that a little bit. That that sounds like a good idea. And we did. Mm -hmm. We did. And and um, I think they're going to have a great impact uh, on building communication and building trust. Right. You know, the, the, the real thing about law enforcement is that some of the things that we do are not pretty. Right. But we can still do those things with respect and dignity and compassion without demeaning people, without disrespecting people, without, uh, you know, without, without dehumanizing them. So yeah. uh, that's what you're going to get from me that I don't think I'm, I'm listening. Yeah. Thank you for that. This is the blunt post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Eric Strong, who is a candidate for the LA County Sheriff's Department for the 2022 elections. You know, I just keep thinking of my experiences and I feel like that I'm privileged because I don't want what I say to sort of um, put down someone else's experience who may have had bad experiences. But as I said, you know, a couple of times two times actually I could have easily been arrested and been given a DUI um, mm -hmm. but I was treated very fairly and uh, I won't go into the details but bottom line is that the the sheriffs they they were they were just you know incredible but I have to add though that I I also gave them the respect you know to me I mean it's uh, when authority stops me <laughs> They're the authority. So I just listen. That's right. just my experience. And the other one is like, as a gay man, I remember in 2008 when for a couple of months, well, prior to Prop 8 passing and then after we were, you know, we were marching a lot from West Hollywood to Hollywood. We'd go from like Robertson all the way to um, Hollywood and Vine, the CNN building. And most of the way, it was L.A. Sheriff that escorted us you know, mostly the, the West Hollywood division, and they just couldn't be any better. I mean, they were just incredible in mm -hmm. respecting us. I mean, there were a lot of angry people amongst us, you know, understandably. And, uh, 
you know, we had such a great experience. I mean, the West Hollywood community uh, has a lot of respect for West Hollywood Sheriff. Okay, I'm just being very specific. I'm not going to talk about, you know, Sheriff's Department throughout, you know, greater LA. And it's important to say that. And I also, I'm like, sort of like, I'm the guy that's always like, I mean, come on, you can't have everything perfect. They're going to be uh, some people who are victimized. And I'm not saying it's okay. But, you know, you've got to sort of see the, the, like a bigger picture. And, um, and you can't have it, um, you can't contradict yourself and say, you know, there's too much policing, you know, there's too much budget allocated to police, but then, and say, well, all kinds of crimes happening in the, in the alley behind my house and there's no one doing anything about it. Um, so I'm, I'm that person. My, my last question to you, and then I'm going to let you sort of, um, give us some, uh, you know, whatever you want to add to it is, um, Unhoused people in California in general, but especially Southern California, it's an issue, and I don't work, I use the word issue as a, a, in a gratuitous way, but it's definitely something that's been increasingly on top of everyone's agenda. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's also an issue that sort of everyone wants it their way. Some people want to, you know, shove them out of their neighborhoods, especially the affluent neighborhoods. And then, of course, there are people uh, and groups and human rights groups and such advocates who, you know, who want to see something substantial, which to this day hasn't been done uh, for that. And that, you know, again, I mean, again, people can just sit and say, why isn't something substantial being done? Well, that can be an entire book written about that, you know, (laughs) where is the money going to come from? And then what happens when? We house everyone in SoCal. Is everyone else from the rest of the country going to come here? It's such a complicated thing, and the budget, and what city, what neighborhood, you know, and all of that. But I want to get your perspective um, and your plan, if you will, about the unhoused, um, homeless, uh, quote-unquote, community in Southern California. Well, my, my basic premise regarding that is that um, it being being homeless or unhoused should not be criminalized right. uh, it should not be a crime you know in and of itself uh, therefore you know there there are the answer is not just to arrest them off the streets you know uh, much of the community the unhoused community, uh, are dealing with other issues, um, be it drug addiction, um, joblessness, um, you know, mental health issues. Right. So I think that the services uh, need to be provided for them and it not be as something where, you know, we call the police. But I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I do know that the answer lies in collaboration. Right. I do know that the answer, and you said it, Vic, you know, everybody wants it their way. I know that the answer, at least in my opinion, starts with taking bits of bits and pieces of everybody's idea right. and putting them together to come up with the best idea. You know, but right now everybody has their way and the way that they want to do it. And, 
you know, when somebody else comes in and brings in another idea, they're saying, no, not that idea, our idea. And, those, and it's going back and forth as opposed to sitting down and saying, hey, how do we how do we take these ideas and take the best out of all of them and merge them together? Yeah, um, I would really like to see uh, quality of life issues addressed with the um, unhoused community. For example, you know, we have these encampments where there's there's, you know, sometimes you know dozens and dozens of and hundreds of them all living in this same area you know i I would like to see law enforcement um fire um health workers uh public works uh sanitation come in and come together Mm -hmm. and do a big collaborative thing And, and i look at it like this if you go to these encampments and let's be real there's a lot of trash right there's there's a lot of waste. If we give them the resources or the or the you know the 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 way to be able to dispose of that trash properly, um, have maybe sanitation come in, you know bring bring a big garbage truck and 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 clean up you know have public works come in, have the fire department come in with paramedics and treat people, you know a lot of them are suffering from infections and things that if they had proper medical care would be you know, um, it, things wouldn't get infected. Right. Um, you know, having, um, social workers come out there, you know, and saying, Hey, who are those that need to be, um, uh, can, can receive some of these services, have mental health come out there and evaluate, have transportation come out there. You know, sometimes it's a transportation issue that can get them to these services. So, and then have law enforcement there as well, you know, to help build that rapport because, the, the reality of it is, is that, you know, there may be some weapons there. There may be some drugs there. There may be some things that we need to to um, to tend to or to address. But the answer is not to just go and arrest them out of their situation. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't see that as as the issue at all. I agree. Um, yeah. And I just want to go back to, you know, something you said that you said that everybody has their idea. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of their ideas in all honesty, they're getting funding for these ideas. Right. And, 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 and if they give up some of their position on their, their ideology, their ideology, what they wrote into that grant, they may lose some of that funding. You know, they may lose some of that. So I, I you know, I think what we really have to do is be willing to say, we're, if we're really here to do what's best for everybody, then, you know what I mean? That, that means if it's a funding issue, I may lose some of that funding. I may have to give up some of that right. in order to get to the best solution. And, you know, I don't, I'm not here to speak to any particular organization, but I think, I think that the county and I think that individual cities um, have enough resources um, with hospitals and, and social workers and all. And I think you'd get a, a whole slew of volunteers, you know, that would, that would come out there and, and, and offer their, their expertise and things too, if we just did it the right way in a collaborative way. I'm just afraid that, um, this is going to be one of those things that until it gets really, really bad, although I think it's getting there, that is not going to happen, which is, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, uh, racial profiling and, uh, anti-black, uh, racism and, uh, police brutality we've seen you know all throughout the country you know why do we need you know a george floyd where it's caught completely on camera to address the hundreds that weren't caught on camera 
And um, right. I feel like the L.A. homeless problem is sort of getting close to that threshold. But it's, it is very complicated. And not one person or agency is going to have all the answers. And as you said, it's going to take collaboration. Um, right. So thank you for that. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Eric Strong, who is a candidate for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department for the 2022 elections. Before we go, I want to ask you, um, is there um, are any questions that I should have asked? What, what would you like to add people to know about you? You know, I, I just want to add this, that you talked about some really good experiences with law enforcement, um, even when you felt you weren't deserving. And you talked about, you know, um, you know, them, them protecting you during marching and protests. I want to add that I, I truly believe that the, the vast majority of law enforcement uh, does a great job. Mm -hmm. The deputy sheriffs, the police officers that are out there, you know, they come out there um, for the right reasons. However, this is one of those professions and one of those careers where you can't have bad apples. Um, we know that there are going to be bad apples in everything, but we can't, we can't, um, we can't allow them in and we can't allow them to fest. We can't allow them to grow. We can't allow them to spoil the bunch. Right. And, and unfortunately what I'm seeing right now in our, in our very own department is we have deputies that are willing to come out and speak up against some of the stuff that's going on. And instead of being um, brought to the table and saying, hey, let's talk about this. What is it that you're seeing? Uh, they're being ostracized. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is we need to make it very, very comfortable for law enforcement to speak up when they see other law enforcement doing things wrong. And we need to make it very, very uncomfortable for anybody in law enforcement that wants to be uh, malicious, um, harmful, or, or do anything that's nefarious. We need to make it very uncomfortable and very difficult for them to operate. Indeed. And what we've had all along, uh, you know, all along this way is, is quite the opposite. You know, what we're seeing right now is policies that basically state you now have a duty to report. We should have been supporting that all along, but you know, in this law enforcement thing, hey, you know, you don't tell on your partners, right? You know, um, and if you do, then you become the bad person, and and it should it it should have never gotten there. Mm -hmm. it, it should have never been like that. But you know, if it takes if it takes you know these policies to make that happen. Great, but here's what it's going to take. It's going to take every person on the department. It's going to take just humanity and human beings right. uh, to make it okay to step up and do the right thing. And lots of them do it every single day, Vic. They yeah. do, but it gets, it, you know, it gets quieted. I mean, it, it gets squashed. I mean, sure. I've been doing it for a long time, um, you know, but uh, but you don't get to those stories. You know, a lot of times you don't, you know, a lot of things are fixed on the inside before they ever get out. But I mean, when I say fixed, I mean, you know, I, I've had, I've, you know, been a reviewer and a unit commander and I've seen things come across my desk and I'm like, what the heck is this? Are you kidding me? Uh, hmm. No, this is not how we address it. We're going to yeah. do it the right way. 
Yeah. So I, I just like want to emphasize, I like yeah, I just, I just want to emphasize that, you know, the vast majority of the men and women out there um, care and they want to do the right thing. They care and and they're there to go do a good job. Um, but we just have too many that, that, that are not doing that, you know. Um, and the one thing that I would ask, one last thing I would add is this, sure. you know, when you have a, when you have a, a doctor, um, and we've seen it in the news a lot. When you have a doctor that does something malicious or wrong, and it makes the media, and they get prosecuted, Vic, when you get sick, where are you going to go? Right. You're going to still go to a doctor. You're just not going to go to that doctor. Right. And, and I would really, I, you know, and, and, and we can go across the board. With, ah, I like, with, I like what you're saying. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we, of course. We, we can go across the board with every, every profession, every job. We can talk about dentists. We can talk about doctors. I mean, right. you know, we can, we can talk about clergy, you know, but for me and my experience, law enforcement is that only profession that if something happens in New York, if it happens in Chicago, if it happens in Philadelphia, I'm ridiculed and I'm put in the same boat. Right. You know, LAPD, Rodney King. Right. Every police officer becomes bad now. Right. And, and I just I just really think that the community needs to be willing to see us as individuals. Yeah. Um, rather than just the uniform. But I get it. We represent, you know, we yeah. represent a uh, and a profession that's that's oppressed a certain group of people, you know, certain groups of people for many, many decades, you know, for over a century. So yeah, I get it, but yeah. Absolutely. So I just think that's just something that I would like to close with. I like that. Thank you, Eric. Um, actually, if there's a call to action, how, how can people um, perhaps find out more about you, your website, uh, any other call to action you'd like to do? Absolutely. Please come and look at my website. Uh, my website is strong, the number four sheriff, uh, com. you know, so just think of strength and think of strong, the number four sheriff.com. Please, uh, come to my website, learn more about me. You can contact me there. Um, I definitely need donations, you know, and I'd, I'd love to get a lot of donations from a lot of people. I'm not looking necessarily for huge donations, but but in order to um, to to get to a point where we have the right person in there, I mean, we need votes, and and votes come from exposure, and we know that exposure, you know, it costs money. Um, so please make a donation. Uh, if you have any questions, I will reach out to you personally. Uh, if you email me or put in your contact information, and you have any contacts, uh, as things go along and it gets busier, uh, it may take a little bit longer. But if you got them, now's the time to get them in because I can get to you rather rather quickly. Oh, that's really uh, generous. I just, yeah, I, I think it's important. I think it's important that we have personal contact. Absolutely. And, and one, of the, one of the questions that I've been asked often is once you get in office, are you going to forget about me and how will I get in touch with you? And, you know, um, 4,000 square miles is a huge, is a huge county, right. uh, the most populous county in the, in, in the country. So would I be able to answer every single person's question? Absolutely not. But I don't think all those people are going to be contact anyway. <laughs> but I, I just want I just want people to know that I'm going to make myself accessible and as available as I can. Well, that's very generous. Um, Eric, thank you again. 
uh, good luck. Um, and uh, I hope to talk to you again before the election. And uh, yeah, appreciate your time and thank you for being on the show. Well, Vic, thank you for having me. And absolutely, uh, if there's anything that comes up or any issues or, or, or any incidents that you'd like to discuss, I'd love to come back. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric. All right. You have a great day. That was my interview with Eric Strong, a veteran of the L.A. Sheriff's Department for almost 30 years, who is now a candidate to be L.A. County's next sheriff. Uh, the elections are next year. He's definitely a very progressive and out-of-the-box uh, candidate. Uh, so good luck to him. And thank you, Eric, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic. Appreciate your time, and I hope to chat with you again uh, before the election. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.